Hello, welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. Come on and bless the Lord in this house. Hallelujah. 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 When, when you understand where the devil fights his battles, and where does he fight his battles? So you know it's important for you to know because God is the greatest power. It doesn't matter what you see with your natural eye. Uh, because the, the devil is fighting this battle in your mind. He's trying to get you to think that he can defeat you. But Jesus has, God has already gotten us the victory in Jesus Christ. So we shall never, the devil has already been defeated. He has already been defeated. I don't care what you go through in this life, the devil has already been defeated. So we shall never, we shall never, we shall never be defeated because God has gotten us the victory in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 It, it, it's so easy for us to get in the flesh and begin to look at things and begin to go from what we see and from what we feel in our bodies. But we are people of faith. We do not walk by sight. We don't go on what we feel. Hallelujah. The world doesn't understand it, so you may talk about the people see you going through in your body and you walk around talking about I'm healed in Jesus' name. I got the victory in Jesus' name. And they're looking at you and they're saying, look at your body. Look at what you're going through in your life. Don't pay attention to them. We shall never be defeated. Hallelujah. This morning's lesson, glory to God, is from the book of Acts, chapter number one, verses six through eight. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Verses six through eight of Acts chapter one. Thank you all for ministering this morning. Amen. And in particular, that, that, that song, it kind of ties in with the message today. Uh, verse 6, reading from the New International Translation. Uh, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. So he's saying, that's none of your business. All right. That's none of your business. Don't be focused on that. All right. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. I want to use for thought this morning, this life. This life. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it accomplishes all that you desire and you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us and prospering your word in advance. Thank you for your word accomplishing what you desire in our lives. I pray for a fresh anointing of your spirit so that I might minister under your anointing. Through your anointing, we know that yokes are destroyed and burdens are removed. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. This life, this life. Tell your neighbor. Neighbor, Bishop is going to talk about this life. Pay attention. You might learn something. Or you might be encouraged. Or your faith might be strengthened. Because we are living in this life. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I heard a brief clip that someone sent me on, it was a TikTok clip, uh, the other day. And the guy was talking about the reason he did not go to church anymore. I think a lot of us have heard people, I don't go to church anymore. They might have grew up in the church. I don't go anymore. Do y'all know anybody like that? Don't go anymore. The guy was talking about the reason that he didn't go to church anymore. And one of the first things out of his mouth (laughs) was, why should I go to church to hear somebody read the scripture and talk about the scripture when I can read for myself and interpret the Bible for myself? Then he said, what has church ever done for me? Have they ever done a financial empowerment seminar? And he was going to go on and talk about other things, but, but at that time, I just cut it off. <laughs> Maybe I should have continued to listen, but that was enough for me because I just, you know, I'm like, okay, I don't need to hear this, and I don't need to be dealing with... Because he, he, started, uh, <laughs> he started his argument from an uninformed and a fallacious position. Yeah. That's where he started his argument from. And we, as we have learned, and as we've taught here, you can read the Bible for yourself. The, the words that are written on the page of the book, you can read it for yourself. I mean, I think everybody in here can read. However, you cannot accurately interpret those words unless you are, first of all, saved and Holy Spirit-filled, then you read it from its original manuscripts or you have tools that you know how to use to help you understand the words in the original language because the Bible is not written in English and the original manuscripts is written in... Y'all been paying attention to some of y'all. Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. All right. So you you just can't pick up the Bible and read every word and understand what it says in the original manuscripts because it was written to a particular people in a particular culture that was not westernized. And we live in Western culture. 
Uh, anyway, I don't want to get into that part of it. And then the third point is that, that you should know the rudiments of scriptural interpretation. And fourthly, that God reveals truth to you. So you just can't pick up the Bible and read it and understand it. And a lot, there's a lot of fallacious things out here, a lot of error going on in the church realm because people don't have these tools. People, people sense a call to ministry even, but don't prepare themselves to be effective in interpreting the scriptures. So there are a lot of people out here with reverend and bishop and minister and evangelist and prophet and whatever behind their names, but they're not prepared to rightly divide the word of truth. And one of the scriptures that, 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 that is so vital is when Paul wrote to his son Timothy, who was a young pastor, and he said to him that he should study to show himself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, you know, I'm, I'm listening to this man. I'm starting to listen to this video and wondering why this person sent this to me. Because I'm listening to this from this vantage point. All right. Not because I've been to seminary, but because it is the truth. All right. And because over the years I have continued to study. There were things that I did when I was younger in ministry that I would never do now. There are things that I said when I was younger in ministry that I would never do now. I thank God for giving me, giving me age. And while I was growing older, I kept studying. Don't ever stop studying. Don't ever stop studying. Now, I was already thinking about this life. The, script, the Holy Spirit was already dealing with me about this life, this Christian life. The way, as Acts chapter 9 verse 2 speaks of, this walk with the Lord and all that this walk with the Lord entails. However, that clip, just listening to those first few sentences, because I've heard so many people say, I don't go to church because of this, because of that, and because of the other. That clip reinforced some things that Holy Spirit was dealing with me about. Those things were about Christianity, uh, about how Christianity is in, in indeed a new life, a new way of life, a new lifestyle that people will not understand or will not endure in unless they start from the right vantage point, have the right perspective, and submerge themselves totally in it so that they can receive what and who they need to help them and to keep them along the journey from salvation to eternal life. You won't endure in this faith. You won't endure. And a lot of people start out and they stop because they don't start from the right vantage point. And you might say some of this is our fault as the church, but a lot of it is, a lot of it is the individual's fault. You can't blame somebody else for what you need to do. If you fail a course in school and you didn't study, you know, you didn't go to class, you know, you never passed a test, then why are you going to blame, why will you blame the teacher for your failing? You didn't seek someone to tutor you. Why would you blame the teacher? Blame yourself. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. The subject may have been difficult, but there are a lot of things in life that are difficult. Uh, uh, yeah. So, let me tell you, learning to drive is difficult. But what do you do because you want to drive? You keep on trying. Keep on, you keep on, you keep on until you get it. 
How many of you all ever failed the first uh, beginner's permit test, the first time you took it? Did anybody fail it? We got some smart people in here. Anybody fail a driver's test the first time you took it? Yeah. Good, you didn't. But I guarantee you when, somebody, when someone put you behind the wheel for the first time, you didn't drive perfectly. And some of us don't drive perfectly today. <laughs> anyway, you get the point, right? You, you, because you want to do a particular thing, you submerge yourself into it. You start with the right thing. I want to do this. This is for me. Everybody else is driving. I want to drive. I want a car. I want to be able to get places by myself. So I'm going to do this thing. And you do it. Last week, one of the things the Holy Spirit said to us is that while waiting for Jesus to return, or while waiting for the day of Pentecost to fully come, waiting gives him time to build capacity in us. Capacity is important for this life and for this journey. If I wanted to understand, guess what I had to do? I had to take notes. I had to go back and study. I had to look up words, all things that a lot of people don't like to do, and especially when it comes to spiritual things. Very few people come to church with a notebook and pen. Very few people. Very few people will write down a word or ask after the sermon, Bishop, what did you say? What was that word you used that I don't understand? And go back and take a dictionary, a, 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 a Bible dictionary, and look up the meaning of the word. So don't come to me and say, you don't understand what I'm talking about when you don't give yourself to understand it. Amen. And don't do any other pastor that way because you have responsibility in the process. Amen, Walls. Somebody said, somebody had on Facebook the other day, Write out some things, what your pastor always says. And one of my dear sweet children wrote out there, Bishop says, amen, Walls. <laughs> amen. Hallelujah. But you get the point. You get the point. Amen. Uh, capacity and Holy Spirit builds capacity in us. He does. But we must submerge ourselves in him. You cannot learn Christianity when you're putting all your focus on other things. But this, this message about this life goes a bit deeper than this. Capacity. He builds capacity in us. Capacity, capacity to endure, to endure small things and large things. So we sing, God is exalted, the devil is defeated. We shall never be defeated. But you have to have the, it's one thing to sing that, but you have to have the capacity to embrace that. And while you are enduring what you're going through, who, who's going to help you? Holy Spirit is going to help you. You have to keep your mind set on enduring. Do you know what I do on a regular basis? I regularly confess by his stripes I am healed. I heard a man speak a long time ago, and he was dealing with the fact that he had cancer in his body. When I saw him speak, he showed us a picture of what he looked like when he was sick. And he looked like skin and bones, but that day he was talking, he was, he was in good health, looks like he had been working out. I mean, his body looked, I mean, his, the body that I saw, looked good, amen? And, 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 and he said, one thing that Christians who've been sick fail to do is that they fail to confess by his stripes. I'm here. 
So when I got up this morning, I confess, by God's stripes, by your stripes, Lord, I am healed. Amen. Amen. Are you understanding what I'm talking about? The capacity. The Holy Spirit builds this capacity in us. Amen. The capacity to share our faith without fear. That comes from Holy Spirit living and working in us. The capacity for boldness. The capacity to overcome fear and every other hindrance so that we can go where we need to go and do what we need to do. People say, I don't know why you go. How, how can you go to this place and do this? It's the capacity of the Holy Ghost. And guess what? I would never know that capacity unless I took the step of faith and did what he told me to do. As long as I'm in the boat with other disciples and I don't walk on the water, I'll never know what it's like to walk on the water. People talk about, people talk about Peter. Peter got out of that boat and he walked on the water. The problem was with those other 11 who were scared. We've got a lot of scared Christians in the church. Scared. Because they're not allowing Holy Spirit to build capacity in them. Well, I'm not preaching all about capacity today, so let me go on. All of this deals with this life. Can somebody say this life? This life is a different life. It's a different life. It is indeed a new life for new creatures born of the Spirit of Almighty God. We cannot overlook any of that, okay? We cannot uh, 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 try to override any of that. A new life for new creatures born of the Spirit of Almighty God. Throughout Jesus' ministry with his disciples, he was preparing them for this new life. Now, I did use the word preparing, okay? Because this is a process, it's a process. Anybody that's been in the Lord for 10 years, 5 years, 10 years, maybe even one year, you know it's a process. Okay? He was preparing them for this new life, which included a new order of things, which included new relationships and a new faith that would be the center of their lives. The center. This new faith. They would no longer belong to themselves. Right? Isn't that what the Bible says? They would belong to him because he purchased them with his own blood shed on the cross of Calvary. So they didn't belong to themselves. Is that what the scripture says? You don't no longer belong to yourself? So, so, so it's indeed a new life. And I'm going to jump right into talking more about this new life. There's a whole lot more I want to say, but... I'm trying, a new, I'm trying something new. Holy Spirit, help me. <laughs> yes. What is it about this life that we should know? Remembering that people will not understand or endure in unless they start from the right vantage point, have the right perspective, and submerge themselves totally in it so that they can receive what and who they need to keep them in this life and on this journey from salvation through death to eternal life and with God in heaven. Well, first of all, this life is characterized by commitment to Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Savior, and the Lord. And you say, well, I know that. Well, 
Uh, yeah, you do. Somebody doesn't know it. But listen, listen. This is a commitment to a person. This is a commitment to a person. All right? This is not a commitment in itself to an organized religious system. Just like marriage is to a person and not to a marriage license, Christianity, being a Christian, being born again, this life that we're supposed to be living is a commitment to a person. Jesus, the Christ, God's Messiah, our Savior, our Lord, not to a religious system. You're not committed to Christianity. You're committed to Jesus. And because you are committed to Jesus, you are a Christian. There's a big difference. Judaism, when you studied Judaism, it was a way of life in relationship with Jehovah and not to a movement. There was no divide between being a Jew and a follower of God. Now, of course, people begin to stray away and do their own thing, and they, so they were not faithful, all right? But it was, a, it was a way of life. There was or was supposed to be a personal relationship with the God who revealed himself to Abraham, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when you study the Old Testament, that's repeated over and over and over again who revealed himself to his people in various ways. Genesis chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. God says, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be to you, to be God to you and your offsprings after you. And I will give you... And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojourning, all the land of Canaan from an for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. He did not say I was establishing a religious system. Jesus never said he was establishing Christianity. He never said it. They were called Christians, I believe it was, at Antioch. The world called them Christians, which means follower of Christ. But they first of all called them people of the way. That was a distinction. Now, as I looked up that particular scripture, I found 29 other scriptures that point to that fact alone. And there are hundreds, maybe thousands of others that point to that fact, to the fact that Jehovah's intent was a personal relationship with his people and his people to him. Not a religious system. When people say, I don't go to church because church are those people, they're not even dealing with Jesus. A person. A person. Now, I'm not trying to refute what that man said. I'm just preaching what I'm preaching. Jehovah, God, 
did not say that he was, even though the system was established, because people need guidelines, but the relationship was to him and him to his people. A system never takes the place of a personal relationship. Amen. It does not. Coming to church, being a part of a church or a church family, well, being a part of an assembly of believers does not take the place of your personal relationship to Jesus Christ. And I guarantee you that many people fall away because they never develop a personal relationship with Christ. Never. You know, I don't know how close this ties into it, but it just came to my mind. You remember, if you ever listened to Shirley Caesar say, and she, she would tell this story about how they would be playing church in the backyard. And her sister running says, Mama, Shirley playing church. That last time, Shirley playing church again. Mama came to us and said, Baby, this time is real. She ain't playing this time. <laughs> you know, so it's one thing for us to grow up. We should be growing up in the faith. Listen now, because... This is a big part of us growing up in the faith, so I'll come to that at my next point. But we should be growing up in the faith, but there has to come a time when it's not mama's faith or daddy's faith, but it's my faith and my relationship with Jesus Christ. So whatever people do, it doesn't affect my relationship with Jesus Christ because Jesus didn't do it. Infallible, imperfect people did it. Yeah. So it's personal relationship. Uh, he calls us into a personal relationship. The law was given. Paul said in Galatians chapter 23, verse 23, he said the law was given as a tutor to bring us to Christ. Well, to bring them to Christ and us to Christ. So then the law was a system that was put in place, but it was for a purpose. For them to have guidelines that God wanted them to follow, but it did not replace that personal relationship. So that means then that driving rules don't replace the fact that you have to have a driver's license and you have to be in compliance with the laws of the state. Habakkuk chapter, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by a son whom he has appointed heir of all things. God spoke, indicating a personal relationship. It wasn't just a prophet speaking, but God now speaks to us in Jesus And through Jesus, Jesus called his disciples. That means he had personal, he wasn't up in heaven. And out of heaven, there was a voice that came, Andrew, come and follow me. Jesus was walking along the way and he spoke and he called those disciples to follow him. Yeah, 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 yeah. They obeyed. And he and 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 he they developed such a personal relationship with him <laughs> that they remain with him throughout his hard teachings. You remember one that was one occasion when Jesus said, Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And the Bible says many walked away. He looked at his disciples and said, Are those that would be apostles? Will you too 
walk away, Peter said, Master, where shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. So there's some hard things that Jesus said. They stayed with him. Even through his, 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 his trial, his death, they stayed with him. You know, they didn't, know, they didn't have anywhere else to go. Peter, yeah, Peter denied him, but Peter was sorry he denied him. He didn't do what Judas did. What did Judas do? <laughs> and even through his resurrection, and now we look at this scripture today as Jesus is about to be taken up from them. They're still with Jesus. They stayed with him because of that personal relationship. And on that day of his ascension, the Bible says he was with them. Important. He was with them. All right. And he said to them, it was not someone else speaking. At this point, it was not an angel speaking. It was Jesus speaking. He spoke to them and he told them what was to happen. They were not simply going off of what's had, what had been written down in a rule book. Just like he spoke to them, he wants to speak to us. And he will speak to us. When was the last time the Lord spoke to you? Because this life, this life is characterized by a personal relationship with Christ and not a religious system. Not a religious system. In your relationship, if your relationship is with the church, you won't last. If your relationship is with a set of rules taken from the Bible, you won't last. If you miss Christ and that personal relationship with Christ, you won't last. You'll be disappointed and by people and you will follow. You'll be disappointed in what the Lord doesn't do for you. How many of you all been praying for Ukraine? How many of you all been praying, God intervene in Ukraine? I was praying so much the other day, I started crying. Lord, why? But you know what? As Sister Yvonne prayed this morning, what's going on in Somalia? What's going on in Myanmar? Because Ukraine has gotten the attention of the world. This is going on all over the world, and it seems like God is not intervening. But God is in control, and for whatever reason, he sovereignly can do what he wants to do, when he wants to do, how he wants to do it. My personal relationship with him has taught me to trust him regardless of what I see with my natural eye. Because I don't see everything and I don't know everything. I don't know what Ukraine has done. I don't know why these things are happening in Ukraine. That's not my business. I'm supposed to pray and trust the Lord in the midst of it all. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you'll be disappointed. You'll fall away even in your own life. When you begin to pray for God, 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 I want you to heal my body. And God doesn't heal you physically. Or God doesn't heal your loved one physically. And you'll begin to blame God. And you'll fall away. If you don't have a personal relationship with God. We believe that God is a genie. God is supposed to fix everything because we ask. We rub the crystal ball. Witchcraft, that's all that is. But that's what we're dealing with. And we believe God is supposed to fix everything. We forget that we're sinners. Born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And sin has entered this world. 
Anyway, let me go on with it. You get the picture. I'm talking about this life now. I'm talking about this life. This, this, this life. Yeah. If you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, when attacks come, hallelujah, you will fall away. Persecutions come. You will fall away. Afflictions come. If you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, you will fall away. Now, I talked about a religious system. Some people come because they like the pastor. Some people are committed to church because they're committed to the pastor. You better be committed to Jesus. You better have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because we are infallible people. We make mistakes. A whole lot of people are falling away because the pastor messed up. Shouldn't be falling away because a man or a woman messed up. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us. Yeah, this life. Characterized, first of all, by personal relationship with a person the person Jesus Christ. That's paramount. Paramount, all right? That's paramount. Okay. Secondly, this life is characterized. Somebody say this life. I'm talking about this life now that we're supposed to be living right now. This life is characterized by being filled with the person and power of Holy Spirit. Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Now, he's been teaching about the kingdom, you know, and by this time, by this time, by this time, by this time, they should know that Jesus' kingdom was not going to be the type of kingdom that they had known in the world. But somehow another people don't get it. Just like today, people don't get this life. People are still focused on the church they go to. People love their building and the church they go to. And when folk mess up in their building, they forget the building wasn't the church. And they forget that the church is much bigger than a small group of people. So now they don't go to church anymore. Anyway, there's a lot of stuff I have to say about that. But uh, all right, (laughs) he said, "That's not your business, because we we tend to mind other people's business." I know it's just a human thing. I don't know how we get. I don't know how to get people past. Always want to be in somebody else's business. You got enough business to take care of yourself. You got enough stuff going on in your own life. You don't have time to be bothered about my business. Pray for me, yeah. But don't be trying to figure stuff out. Figure your own stuff out. But you will receive power. He didn't say probably. He didn't say you might receive power. Do you read what he said? He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I'm going to stop right there, okay, for this point here. Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ. Jesus talks at length about Holy Spirit. Read the Gospels, especially in John 
chapters 14 through 16. It's, it's devoted to Holy Spirit coming into this world, living in the disciples, fulfilling God's will through the disciples. Holy Spirit is a must for this life. For this life. Church membership does not take the place of Holy Spirit. All right? A talent does not take the place of Holy Spirit. A praise, dance, or lifting holy hands, anything, never takes the place of Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He is a must for this life. Not a religious system, not a movement, not a body of people, not a building alone. Yes, we should never forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. But that comes after we are spirit-filled. Because God has placed in the bodies, first of all, apostles, secondly, prophets, uh, thirdly, evangelists, pastors and teachers for the building up of the body for the perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry but that doesn't take the place of Holy Spirit because Jesus is seated at the right hand of God he said I will not leave you helpless we're in a world y'all we're in a world and there is pressure at us from all sides and we need some help does anybody need help this morning? We need help. We have pressure from the flesh. We have pressure from the world. And we have pressure from the devil. Pressure on every side. Pressure to conform. Pressure to give up. Pressure to be like the world. Pressure to give up on Christ. Pressure on every side. Sickness is attacking our bodies. All kinds of things happening. We need help. And Jesus, the Christ, is seated at the right hand of the Father. Yes, he ever lives to make intercession with us, but he's not here physically with us. So he said, I will not leave you helpless. I will send an advocate. I will send a helper to you. I will send a helper to you. Without Holy Spirit, we will never be God's people. We will never understand God's ways or the things God does, nor will resist this, nor will we be able to resist this pressure that's leveled on us. And it's leveled on us. Him first. And along with him comes the power. Jesus first. He said, You shall receive power when Holy Spirit comes on you. Power, not just strength to go out and physically uh, tear down a building, but you will receive the very life of God, the almighty God, the all-powerful God, the ever-all-knowing, ever-present God. You shall receive his life and the power that comes along with him. Power to transform your lives. Why do people give up? Transformation hadn't taken place. Power to transform your life and everything about you. Power to transform your way of thinking. Power to transform uh, uh, your ability to receive the truth. 
Power to transform your ability to understand. Power to transform your ability to endure. Think about what they were going to have to face. You know, the wonderful thing about us is that we're on this side of Calvary. We're on this side of the ascension. We know now from the record what they had to learn as they lived through it. So we're in a better place, but it doesn't seem like it for a lot of us. We're in a better place because we can look back and now we can sing the devil is defeated, God is exalted because we're on this side. Now we may not necessarily be living it, but at least we know the truth. Yeah. yeah. Holy Spirit, he's vital. He is vital for this life. He's not just an energy. He's not just a force. He is the spirit of almighty God. He is God in us. He is Christ in us. So this is not the old way. This is not the old way where Holy Spirit will come upon certain people at certain times to do certain things. This is the day and time when Holy Spirit lives in every believer. Does he live in you? Does he live in you? Are you waiting to speak in tongues? Does he live in you? Bible teaches us that if we receive Christ, then his spirit has come to live in us. Now, how are we appropriating his presence in our lives? That is the question. We're talking about this life. And if I'm going to live this life victoriously, he's given me the help I need. Will I make mistakes sometime? Yeah, but I don't make the same mistakes I made 15, 20, 40 years ago. I'm not, I'm not the same person I was 40 years ago. Because we learn to appropriate him and his gifts and his presence in our lives. So what about that person who never gives attention to the Holy Spirit? Never. We give attention to everything else. We give attention to everything. We have time, or we make time for what we want to make time for. But until we get this picture, this is not just about me supporting the church. It's not just about me showing up on Sunday. It's about my relationship with Jesus Christ and his spirit who lives in me, who motivates me, who stirs me, not just to live, not just to dress up on Sunday and look good when I come in the sanctuary, but to live when I'm in Walmart, to be an example when I'm in Publix, to be an example when I'm, when I'm in the gym, to be a Christian because I'm in a personal relationship with him. Lastly, so he's given the Holy Spirit to, to live in us. He's given the Holy Spirit to live his life out through Christ, his life out through us. He is a person that we're in a personal relationship with. For what purpose? For what purpose? For what purpose? This is what we've got to get, saints. I don't, I, don't, I, I don't know everybody in the world. There's no way for me to know everybody in the world. But a lot of times, the few people that I know don't get this. We should be asking the question, why? 
Holy Spirit, do you live in me? Why am I saved? Why am I a follower of Jesus Christ? For the sole purpose, can somebody say sole purpose? Of fulfilling the mission Christ was sent into this world to do. You know why that's difficult for us to get? Because we're in relationship with people. And we are married to a person. And we have children. And we have jobs. And we have careers. And we are taught to put money in retirement and to prepare for our retirement. And we have all of these things we want to do that may not have anything to do with the mission of Christ. Bishop, how are you going to teach us about this thing? This life, I'm talking about this life. And listen, it is really okay. You know, our concern is building a church and having a whole lot of people so we can do all of these things. But Jesus said, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads unto life and few there be that find it. And so we have to come to grips with the fact that it's really okay that everybody is not saved. Or that everybody is not in the church. We can't save everybody. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. I guess that was a harsh way to say that. But, but we want everybody to be saved and everybody's not going to be saved. People will reject Jesus. There is an evil seed that's in this world. There are evil people that are in this world. They're not going to accept Jesus. And even though we should push that everybody should be saved, we should, we should share Christ, share our faith, but everybody's not going to be saved. Now, that should never be an excuse for us not to do what we're supposed to do because our sole purpose for life is to fulfill the mission that Christ sent us on. I believe when Christians get this, there'll be transformation in our lives, transformation in our families, transformation in our communities. Jesus said to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He didn't say, read this again, but you will receive power, and when the Holy Spirit comes on, on, on you, you will get married, you will have children, you will have a job, you go to work, you build a house, you have retirement. There's nowhere in here. Does anybody see what I'm talking about? And you've heard me say this before, but I believe the Holy Spirit is taking us a little bit deeper in this. Because our focus is off. As Christians, our focus is off. So we raise our children. What do you want to be when you grow up? Which we should be raising them out of the context that you are a disciple of Christ. So then, as, as I understand, as I understand my purpose, then everything that the Lord brings into my life is shaped by my purpose. So then my marriage becomes an evangelism tool. So Jesus is glorified in my marriage, and in my marriage, I use my marriage as a witness and tool to people that don't know Jesus. So, you know, people have made fun of children who praise the Lord, who quote the scriptures. They said they're raising them to be a little preacher. Uh, they're not letting that child grow up to be a child. 
because they don't understand purpose. Purpose is that everything God has given me is for his glory. So I am supposed to even raise my child to know Jesus. And a lot of times we've not done that. I've made mistakes and failures in that area too. Well, I should have pushed some things that I didn't push. Let's tell the truth. Because we want our children to have a normal life. Normal for normal to whose standards? Normal to the world standard. Think about this now. We're raising our children to be normal to the world standard. And then we want them to be Christian. How backwards is that? Yes, it becomes difficult because then you, you come into a fellowship of believers where you got a division, where people are not growing in Christ and people are not on the same page. So now our children don't have a fellowship. Don't have other children to relate to by parents who are trying to raise their children to be a disciple of Christ. And I don't care what church you go to, very few churches are doing this because we want our children to be normal. Be careful what church you run to. Because some churches have already adopted the world standard. So at six years old, you can decide God didn't create you to be a boy. He created you to be a girl. Now you can change your sex. Now, I don't want to be political, but, but some of us Democrats need to think about what our party pushes. So we want to raise our children to be normal, but we're looking at the world standard of normal. What's Christ's standard of normal? So now we're in a dilemma. We're in a dilemma. We got a world that's messed up and the church is not operating in the power of the Spirit of God to transform the world. When Holy Spirit should be transforming our lives to be like Christ and Christ's standard is the normal standard for those that follow Jesus. We have Holy Spirit living in us for the sole purpose of us fulfilling the mission of Jesus Christ. The mystery of godliness is that Christ appeared in a body. Yes, he appeared in a physical body, but he created a spiritual body. We are the body of Christ, and we are members in particular with various gifts. God help us go back to our original purpose and your original intent. Because right now, Christianity is not normal in this world. And people are afraid, people are shying away from God's standard. People are accepting what the world says. The promise was given to the disciples. You will receive power. Now, just in case somebody said, well, that was to those disciples. Read on over. Just go over a little bit further. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter's preaching on, the day of, on, the, on that day of Pentecost. After the Holy Spirit has come, he's filled them with power, and this power has transformed their lives. And the same Peter who had denied Jesus not too many weeks ago stands up in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as he preaches, he comes near the end of his sermon and he says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise 
What promise? What promise? The promise that Jesus made recorded in John's gospel. The promise is for you and your children and for all those who are far off and for all whom the Lord our God will call. He didn't leave it for that generation. God is still calling people today. The same promise is for us today. Everything about us is for the mission. Our lives, our marriages, our children, our resources, everything is for the mission. Maybe we we struggle because we compartmentalize. This is for me. The Lord said, I only need to bring 10% of my my offering, my income. So this 10% is set set aside for God. And this 90% is set aside for me so I can do what I want to do with this 90%. Forgetting that the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, and they that dwell therein. Forgetting that even though 10% is reserved for the Lord, it all belongs to the Lord for his purposes. So you really shouldn't be buying lottery tickets with with your income. You really shouldn't be. Mm Mm-mm. You got money to buy a lottery ticket, you need to be giving that to missions. Shouldn't be going to the gambling boat with the income that God gave you. If you got money to go gambling, you should be giving that to missions. Shouldn't be buying a whole lot of stuff that we buy. You know, you can just think about stuff that, that dishonors God. Stuff that harms your body. Lord, if we go to that, we might as well talk about chitlins and fat back. <laughs> Everything. For the purpose. For the purpose. Why is this not a popular teaching? Because we have to be careful that we don't offend people. Because if we offend people, they leave us. And when they leave us, We don't have a whole lot of people to pay the bills. But the Lord said, Paul said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So where do I put my faith? Do I put my faith in people? Do I put my faith in God? All that we would get this, this life this life. Many of our children are struggling today because they've not bought into this life. And why didn't they buy into this life? Because they get mixed messages from us. When, we get, when they get older, we want to fix it. And we want to fix them. But just like for us, an old tree will break before the bend. Sometimes for young people, they're old at their age and they'll break before they've been. But the Holy Spirit, is, all things are possible with God. Don't give up on them. Yeah, we've messed up. You know, we've made mistakes at things we didn't understand. We, we were, some of us raised children the way we saw our parents raise children. We didn't understand God's way. For those of y'all who don't have children, those of y'all who have young children, God has given you an understanding of his way. You know, the Bible says that children are heritages from the Lord. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. It says like arrows 
in a man's hand. So your children are like arrows in your hand. What direction are you pointing them? Because you want to hit a target when you have an arrow. So if your target for your children, if you understand that everything that God has given you, even your children, is for the mission of Christ to seek and to save the lost, that even with your children, you're aiming them toward that target. It's not normal according to the world standard. Am I talking to anybody today? It doesn't make any sense to anybody. This life is a different life. It's a different life. It's a new life. It is the way, the way of God. Always remember, God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts and your thoughts and my ways than your ways. God, show us your ways. Holy Spirit, speak your thoughts in us. Transform our way of thinking so that we think like you. And we live this life the way you called us to live this life. God, we need your help today. Now stand. Father, thank you for your word and the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. So this morning, there's anybody who doesn't know Christ as Savior and Lord. I want to give it an opportunity right now to make that profession of faith. Jesus died on the cross to satisfy divine righteousness. The Bible says the soul that sins shall surely die. That's God's law. So everybody has sinned and everybody has come short of God's glory. So we deserve death for our sins. But God sent Jesus into this world. His righteous, his holy son who knew no sin, who had no human DNA to come to be the sacrifice, to fulfill the, the, the religious system, the law that required death for sin or a substitute. The Old Testament law would have a, a sheep, a, a lamb, not more than a year old. Jesus came to be our substitute. But whereas they had to do it over and over and over again, Jesus died one time to satisfy God's law and to satisfy the wrath of God that will be poured out on humanity one time. You are included in humanity 
and included in the sacrifice that he made. It becomes a personal thing. He died for you. He became your substitute. Because Jesus, or we can say because God loved us so much, he sent Jesus Christ into this world. For you, it's personal. If you're not saved today, will you accept the sacrifice that Christ made for you? For you. You can't save yourself. A religious system cannot save you. A church or building cannot save you. It's only through faith in the finished work of Christ on Calvary that you can be saved. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. That's the name Jesus. Will you accept Jesus as your Savior and your Lord? If you will, if anybody in this sanctuary is not saved and you, and you want to accept Christ, pray this prayer along with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. I believe what the preacher said because it's recorded in your word. You became my substitute. You died on my behalf because I deserve death for my sin. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, I accept your sacrifice for me. Come into my life. Save me from my sin. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I receive you today. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Well, that brings us to the end of the message for today. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well. And give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com that's tabernacle of praise at msn.com give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you also we would like for you to sow into this ministry if you've been blessed by this work by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel and you would like to help further this cause we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further 
the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.